You're at episode 247 of the 200 Churches Podcast. When we look at the Gospels, it's all over the place. Are we the Pharisees? Do we think we figured it out when really we've missed the boat, right? right. Do we think, are we whitewashed tombs? And that's that's the hard question to look at. The, the thing about white, whitewashed tombs is they look great. I mean, that's why Jesus said it, right? It looks awesome from the outside, but who cares? Who cares what a tomb looks like from the outside? Because inside right. is just a dead body. It's just bones. Yeah. So your church might have financial stability, an adequate volunteer base, relevant worship, all these different kinds of things. And and you could be a white your church could be a whitewashed tomb. Welcome to the Two Hundred Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Simon and Garfunkel of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the Two Hundred Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and I'm here with the man across the table, Jeff Katie. Good to be here with you, Johnny. I, and where are we, Jeff? Where I don't know. Are we? It's a little echoey down here. I'm a little nervous. Hopefully, the echo won't come through on the recording. This is Jeff's brand spanking new opulent and luxurious studio. We're in a new spot, Johnny. This now, is good. I think it's time to come clean about the old studio. It was... No, it was opulent. <laughs> it was. It was my basement. But no, you know when we started saying that is when I when we met in the upper room. When we were in the, yes, in when, the upper room. That when, is what it was. When we were up in one of the extra bedrooms upstairs <laughs> over the garage. That was pretty nice. Yes, yes. And I set it up pretty well. And then we went down to the basement where I had more space... It was Spartan, and I kind of enjoyed it. Speaking of, where's the crystal lamp? You know what? It did not make the move with us. You didn't bring the crystal lamp? You know what? Steve Mason's son has it. No. And it was not my choice. How did that happen? My wife didn't have room in the vehicle for it. (laughs) For one lamp? she She went back to get a few things, and the lamp was one of them. And she said, you know what? The truth is... She never liked that lamp. Oh! Yeah, exactly. The truth comes... Exactly. Oh, that's ice cold, she man. She never liked it, and it didn't make the move. I told her, I'm going to need it for the podcast room. You do need it. No, but the truth is, I really don't. No, I've got these... Much better lighting situation. Recessed here. LEDs in here, and this is this is perfect. This is this is the epitome of opulence and, and luxury. So, so I'm glad. I'm it, glad that we're here and part of this. And if you, as a listener, are wondering... Uh, Johnny is at my new house in Newton, Iowa, and we are recording together live. This is the first time he's been here, yeah, and the first time we've sat across the table with all of our old gear. It's weird. Have you recorded from down here yet? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so. So we're really breaking this thing in. This is it. Yeah. I love it. This is a cool spot, and I am glad to be face-to-face. This is two weeks in a row now that we're face-to-face, so I hope uh, that you're doing well, Jeff, at your new church. I am doing well. I'm doing very well. Well enough that I was able to take a little time this afternoon to come here and to record for all of you pastors, men and women pastors across the land, really across the globe. I was going to say, yeah. Across the globe. I hear Pedro. I hear Pedro right now saying, no, don't forget about me. Pedro. We can't name drop. There's too many names. (laughs) It's gotten to the point. Our boy in Medicine Head and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Medicine Hat. (laughs) Medicine hat. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. 
Bart. Sorry, Bart. Sounds like a, a band. Okay, so we're here together, and we're doing a very special episode because it's just me and you. It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah, just the two of us, Johnny. We're talking about a healthy small church. Yeah, yes. A healthy small church, and what does it look like? Because conventional wisdom in ministry circles kind of directs you in one direction, and the reality of what a healthy small church is is often hidden in plain sight. It's right under our nose, and we don't even realize it. Yeah. We we look at other ways to measure a healthy small church, and we're going to talk about some of those ways, and then, then you and I are going to talk about what we think an actual healthy small church looks like, yeah, how it operates. Absolutely. And you and I both have a very firm conviction that there are healthy small churches. And, and, and those small churches, it's not, th- these aren't the small churches that were 50 people last week and in two months will be 2,000 people. That's not the marker of a, of a healthy small church. You can be healthy and small. Those are not mutually exclusive, right? Uh, and we feel a deep conviction about that. But yeah, I think there are some ideas about what makes a healthy small church, and you and I maybe maybe we don't necessarily agree with the uh, the list that we've curated here. No, no, we don't agree. And you know, while you were talking, I actually thought of something else that is actually part of a healthy small church. This is a bonus, and this is a preemptive bonus at that. A healthy small church has a pastor who is happy to be serving the people at that church. That's a huge piece of it, right? for sure. That, I'm, I'm because I'm thinking about the people that go to small churches, millions of them across the yep. country, yep. they go to their church, and if their pastor isn't happy to be there at their church ministering to them as a family or as individuals, then it's it's not a healthy small church. It just isn't. No, yeah, you're right about that. And and so because this podcast is for pastors, I would say that's a good note to start on. Are you know, are check yourself. Are you happy? Are you happy leading your church? Are you looking at the door all the time and wondering what's out there? Or or, you know, as our friend Carl Vaders likes to say, do you recognize that you are a small church pastor and that's a good thing or are you really right. thinking that you're a large church pastor stuck in a small church you know yeah and, um, and do you feel validation yeah right as a small could a pastor of a small church be validated oh man right i mean that's just the question yeah or is any pastor in any small church absolutely looking for a larger small church or a larger church I hope that that's not the case, and I hope that the people listening today, um, that that you, as you've plugged this into your ears or listening on your computer or wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you don't feel like you have to somehow escape small church ministry to be successful or to do something important. What you're doing is important, and so yeah, step one maybe is be happy, be content uh, with the ministry that God has put in front of you. What a blessing to be able to be a pastor. And if you're not and you're new to 200 churches, then I would suggest that you go back and start with episode one oh boy. and listen to the previous 246 episodes. <laughs> and oh, is that all? if you're like me, after all those episodes, you'll be convinced that small church ministry is vital, vital ministry in God's kingdom. Yeah, Because for sure. it is. So, Johnny, what would most people say a healthy small church what marks a healthy small church i think one of the biggest things that people would say is financial stability amen financial stability that you have you have enough money in the bank to pay your bills that you are you are well taken care of you own your building you know probably that you are set and settled 
financially. And that, I think, people look at as a marker of a healthy small church. Well, if a church isn't financially stable, can it be healthy? Well, that's a, can well. it be healthy? See, and the answer, John, the answer is yes. Yes, yes, it, it can. can be a healthy. But people small would church. say people would bristle a little bit, you know, and say, "Well, you know, financial stability is the key and the to longevity." See, and then, but we get confused. We think longevity is associated with health. I knew of this church in uh, Denver, Colorado, and they had money coming out their ears. So this old established congregation, the neighborhood changed around them. All right, but they remained there in their building and they owned it and they they had been there forever and they had money in the bank. And a pastor came along and he had this vision and his vision was let's hire another staff person, right? And so let's start to do ministry that uh, reaches the community that we're in, the community that had changed around them. It was a lot of minorities, uh, lower income people. And uh, they thought, okay, maybe we can do that. But there was this deep concern that if they did that, they'd lose their financial stability and their longevity. And their nest egg. And their nest egg. That church was not healthy. How do I know? Because I was the one they almost hired to be the associate pastor. And, no, I, and I dodged a bullet, okay? but yeah, who, yeah. Dodged, who dodged a bullet, Johnny? Well, maybe who the did? church did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it, goes, it goes to who are you depending on and what are you depending on? Right. As church leadership, are you depending on God and and God walking you through sometimes valleys and sometimes tumultuous waters and and difficult situations, or are you playing it safe and you uh, always need to be certain what's going to happen and not take any risks? So financial stability maybe maybe cuts both ways, but I think that's something people would say is a marker. Of I wonder a how church. the churches in uh, in Haiti are are feeling right now, or the churches in Puerto Rico. Oh man, you know these places that have been devastated by yep. natural disasters over the years. Is that one of their markers? Because if it is, then they probably have to declare themselves unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What's what's another one? An adequate volunteer base. Yeah, it, which means you've got plenty of people yeah. doing a lot of stuff, and people are busy. Yep. Things are happening. I'd be stoked to have a full volunteer base. You know, that's also the mark of, of a few other kinds of churches. Okay. Right? Churches that uh, are focused on programs, churches that are focused mm. on activity, yeah. churches that are focused on uh, being busy and doing stuff, uh, keeping things going. Okay, always, maintenance. Yeah, always doing it the way it was done and never really stopping anything, so mm. you have to keep you know, throwing throwing more wood on the fire, throwing more volunteers into the mix to keep things going. I think the questions are, you know, what are they doing? Yeah. Number one, what are they busy doing and why are they doing it? Right, right. And the the receivers of their ministry, what are they experiencing? You know, how are they experiencing the ministry? So I, the I think I would come out and say, is an adequate volunteer base, if you have a healthy church, you know, could, might you have an adequate volunteer base? Absolutely. Could you be an unhealthy church with an adequate volunteer base? Absolutely. And could you be a healthy church that struggled to get all the volunteers that you needed? Uh, yeah. I'm going to say yes. In fact, probably most healthy churches could use a few more volunteers. That's true. That's very true. I would true. think so. So, so it's a good thing, but by itself, it doesn't necessarily guarantee right. church health. Right. Like financial stability. Right. 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 So what's the third conventional wisdom? Uh, 
the relevant worship service. That's that reminds me of episode fifteen. Oh. Hey, hey, I, w- <laughs> I was talking with Bart Blair on the phone the other day. Bart's one of our listeners from Canada, one of our one of our Canadian listeners. Yes, and I, I encouraged him to go back and listen to episode fifteen. Oh boy, he couldn't remember if he'd ever listened to it before or not. I mean, it's only two hundred thirty something episodes <laughs> yeah, ago, exactly <laughs> four years ago. Uh, but yeah, don't we all want relevant worship services? So if the service itself, especially in a small church, if you're relevant, man, you got it going on. You got it going on. You're doing something and something is happening. But does that guarantee church health? I I think it guarantees that you have skilled musicians. Yeah. <laughs> I think it guarantees that you have somebody who's leading your worship who has his finger on the pulse or her finger on the pulse of society. But I don't yeah. think it necessarily means that you're healthy. It might indicate administrative acumen Ooh. by the worship director. That's true. And or by the pastor. Right. So, but uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that that by itself, because small groups that meet in homes with 10 to 15 people yeah. could be really healthy, mm-hmm. but it, they're not putting on any kind of a performance or a show or a presentation. you saying you don't think house churches are running the fog machine? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> If a, if you have a fog in your house church, it's just because one of your members left the door left open. Left the door open, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, that's that's real cheesy. Or, I apologize. Or the brownies are, are in the oven too <laughs> that's long. That's it, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so another healthy um, indicator of a healthy church, steady attendance. Steady attendance. Steady attendance. So you're not, what's that mean? You're not losing people and you've got pretty much the same amount of people that are there week after week. I'm imagining one of those uh, older churches, like the kind I went to when I was a kid, and they have uh, they have on the wall somewhere some sort of plaque and it tells you the songs that they're going to sing that day. Yep. Have you ever yep. seen that? Oh, and yeah. then it says the attendance at Sunday school right. last week and then the attendance at service. And it's said 77 for the last 15 years. Yeah, right, right. Do you know what I mean? And because it only varies by five each week, they figured, why even bother to change the number, right? <laughs> you got steady attendance, baby. You got yeah. steady attendance. Yeah. So that could also indicate that there's nobody being added. True. Or they're being added at such a slow amount that it's only it's only offsetting the deaths. Right. Or the people that are moving out. Yeah, and steady attendance just says that you have people who are committed to coming. But we have all been to churches where people come every week, but there's no life or vibrancy in the church, right? Right. It it becomes perfunctory for people to show up and sit in the same pew. And they've actually, over time, built a groove for their bottom in that pew because you know that Carl is not going to move. He's not. He won't. Built a groove for their bottom. Built a groove for their bottom. Okay. <laughs> Come on. That's okay. Dollars and derriers, Dollars right? Dollars and derriers. That's right. <laughs> okay. Do we have a couple others? We do. Do you want me to yeah, run through yeah, them quick? Conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom says an intergenerational church is a healthy church. Yeah. So you got you got the older folks and the younger folks yes. at the same time. That's that's an indicator of something positive. You'd be excited if sure. you have that. Yeah, yep. that's a great thing. That's yep. a great thing. But you could be in the same situation where, you know, uh, you have had people steady for the last 40 years, no life of any kind, but they had babies and their babies had babies and, and they've all decided to come to the church. But it's still not, it still doesn't show necessarily that there's vibrancy. Um, sound doctrine. You wanted this one on the list. Amen. Sound doctrine. A a sign of a healthy church is that they have sound doctrine. Now, what kind of sound? We don't know. (laughs) 
you know what well how did amos say it a clanging cymbal is that the sound that some of this doctrine might make but but who's determining what which clang is the right clang and you know who's determining which sound is the right doctrine yeah and uh so um and then a righteous living congregation i think those things go together sometimes righteous living congregation yeah you don't want a lot of divorce you don't want a lot of sin going on no you can't have the congregation if it's healthy it's going to be holy yes no smokers in attendance obviously well at least not when they're in church well come on can you imagine years ago they used to just smoke in church wow yeah yeah, they would smoke. Well, they smoked on TV. So uncouth. Telling the news they would smoke. It's uncouth, Right man. in the TV studios. <laughs> That's back when they claimed smoking was good for your throat. Can we talk about how we got to this conversation before we pivot? Church health. I had a 90-minute conversation this morning with a guy in my office. 90 minutes. I 90 hope that guy is listening because I want him to know. Don't stay in the pastor's office for ninety minutes. Well, no I pastor has that kind it. of time. This is my this is my first couple months here. I'm trying to get to know people. <laughs> okay, okay. Get okay. to know the ministry leaders. Yeah, but yeah, we we talked about stuff. This guy has been a part of the church for a long time. Yeah, and we got to some what I would consider fundamental, foundational truth that was uh, uh, eliciting some aha moments from him. Okay. Uh, Because I think that we make it so difficult and we make it so uh, involved and deep that we don't talk about what real spiritual health is. Yes. What a real healthy church actually looks like. You and I were actually talking about it in a way that we probably shouldn't repeat on the podcast. But we were talking about it on the phone last night as we were talking about episode 246. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, we were talking about instead of talking about it, just do it. Yes. Instead of studying about it, just live it. Right. Right? And I think that's part of it. And if you want to jump in here, Johnny, otherwise I can. Well, it's it's very, it's it's like the book of James, right? You show me a man who says that he has faith without works, and I'll show you a man that shows his faith by his works. And that's kind right. of what you, the conversation you had was, was saying, you can say you have sound doctrine, you can preach righteous living, but are the people living in a way, and is our church operating in a way that it is impacting those around us? Because what is the first and greatest commandment? right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then as you and I have preached a ton of times, Jeff, uh, eventually this first and second greatest commandments get passed down and Paul comes to the point where he just collapses them and they all become the same commandment. It's one thing. right? Because when you love God, you will love others. And so basically what you're saying is you can preach sound doctrine to, well, whatever that means, right? Till your nose bleeds. But are you loving people? Are you reaching across the street and around the world and actually impacting lives and loving people? And I wondered aloud this morning, uh, how many people in church on a Sunday morning or whenever are just religious people mm. going through the motions of whatever, whatever form of Christianity it is that they're involved in? It could be our church. It could be your church. It could be, it could be our listeners' churches. Yeah. People that come in and they're religious Christians, yeah, but but they're not believers. And I think the active ingredient that will be missing in religious Christians that you'll always find in followers of Jesus, the active ingredient that will will be missing is love. Yes, it's love. And if they don't have love, 
John talks about it. Peter talks about it. Uh, you you mentioned James. Yep. Uh, there's only one book in the New Testament that doesn't have the word love in it. It's the book of Acts. Shockingly, <laughs> just right? We're loving. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I see the book of Acts as this is what love does. Right, yeah, that's the story right? of love. Right. Love does this, and they don't even need to have the word in the book. Yeah, Every other wild. book in the New Testament has the word love in it. That's wild. But as I talked with this guy, uh, I was saying that, you know, isn't love, love betrays the one we worship. Mm. You know, love betrays the the character of the God that we worship. And if we see, and, and love betrays our doctrine in yeah. terms of who is God. Because if we see a God who is judgmental, a God who is, you know, holding the hammer over our head, a God who is, who desires perfection. Yep. Uh, those who would interpret that be ye perfect as I am perfect, as don't ever do anything wrong like I don't ever do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, that that speaks of our view of God. Yeah. So we were having this conversation about healthy churches. And look, we'll show our cards here. Jeff and I next week are doing a workshop at a, at a conference, and we're going to talk about healthy churches. What is this workshop? DNA? Oh, the DNA of a healthy small church. So we figured we would rap about this a little bit in preparation and you guys would all get the, <laughs> men and women would all get the goods. But when we talk about love, the criticism that Jeff and I have heard a lot of times, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jeff, is people say, well, what is love? What does love mean? That's such a gooey word. Do I buy Valentine's? That's how people talk well, to me when they complain. gooey, gooey, soft, and chewy. We need, <laughs> we need the meat. We don't need the milk. We need the meat of sound doctrine. Exactly right. So we go through this list of the things that maybe you understood as making a healthy church, right? Financial stability, active base, intergenerational worship, all these different kinds of things, relevant music. And we said, maybe, maybe. But what we really believe is that ultimately what a healthy church is about is love, is love. And it's not, how'd you say it? Ooey gooey, soft and chewy. Well, yeah, you, you <laughs> talked about gooey gooey. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It, it, it comes out in tangible ways. And, and there's three tangible ways, really, right? That we focus our love. The, the love of God, right? That he pours out on us and we give back to him and the world around us comes out in three pretty distinct ways. Well, we've called them practices, right? Practices. We practice love. Here's yes. how we practice love. We practice love in relationship. Yep. And and that is that's the number one way. This guy was telling me as we were talking, he's not going to listen to this, by the way. And I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to mention his name and well, nobody you haven't said a bad thing about him, uh, so well, you're fine. Well, and and I had a I great did. I said a bad thing. I about had a great him. time with this guy. But he talked about when he had gotten into conflict with somebody in the church. Mm. And how he thinks maybe some people in the church may view him through that lens and, oh, yeah, they're so-and-so, and they got in conflict before. Sure, sure. And I said, well, egads, we actually had to practice the one another's in relationship. <laughs> like, God actually knew that maybe we were going to mess things up, and maybe we're such sinners that we needed the one another's. We needed to practice those one another's. So we practice forgiving each other. We practice putting up with each other. We practice being patient with each other. Yeah. We practice saying I'm sorry to each other. You know, we, we practice just, you know, allowing the other one to be wrong without pointing it out. Exactly. And when I talked to him about, you know, how about practicing protecting one another? How about practicing giving each other the benefit of the doubt? All these things are just different ways that love expresses itself. Yes. But love expresses itself. It doesn't just sit dormant. It's not something that we have like it's an object. 
Oh yeah, I got love. I got a whole bunch of love. It's right in my pocket. <laughs> I can use it whenever I just whenever I choose to. Yeah. You know, I just don't choose to. It's not love until you give it away. Oh, 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 that'll preach. Look at this. I tell you what. We people hear love, they practice loving relationship and they think, Oh, so I gotta be nice to people and I gotta be, you know, this and that. Steve Mason, friend of us, friend of the show, right? He's been on what ten episodes ago think, or something. Yeah, I think I think two thirty nine maybe. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. Like that. So, so great guy, great guy from our last church. So much love and affection for Steve. One night, me and Steve, we got we had it out. I mean, it was I was in a bad place, he was in a bad place, and we we got in a fight. I mean, like it was not one of it my was not finest Christian. Moments. No, certainly not. I it was barely not remember fine. this. And so I would say, was I practicing loving relationships at that moment? No, no. But there was fear after that. I think on both of our ends that that would somehow collapse the relationship, that it couldn't bear, right, to have that kind of a fight. But what really happened was we were closer than ever because we practiced forgiveness. We practiced assuming better things about the other person. You know what I'm saying? And that's what loving relationships are about. It's not about romance and it's not about uh, being nice to people, although being nice to people is good, okay? But loving relationships is really about getting in the thick of life with people and sticking with it and sticking with it. And how did you say it? It's not love till it gets used, right? You can say you love somebody. I could say I love you, Jeff. But until we come to a moment where we have to have some real conversations with each other, which we have, uh, what is love? Yeah. So loving relationships, and that's profound. It's not ooey-gooey. It is it is profound, and when you're in those relationships, you know it. So what's the difference between a generous person and somebody who's not generous? The difference is the generous person gives away what they have, yeah. and the non-generous person does not give away what they have. So generosity, love is like generosity. You know, it's not – if you just hold it and you don't do anything with it, it's – there's no generosity. There's no love there. Right. But love is the sharing. It's the sharing. It's the practicing of giving and surrendering and offering and serving. And this is the sign of a healthy church when you've got love that's being spread around, and, and especially in relationships. Yep. So practicing love in relationships is is a cool thing. It's a good thing. And there's no need to fear that we have to actually practice love because We'll have enough relational dissonance yes. going on in the church, but 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 that's not bad. But we can do this, something with it, right? This is an opportunity then right. to forgive, and an opportunity to be patient, and an opportunity, like you said, you and Steve had that fight yep. to go back and make amends and yeah. say, you know, you know, I said this or I did that, and you know, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I still think what I think, right. but I, you know, I care more right. about you as a person in our relationship than what I think. So I think sometimes we think a healthy church is one that doesn't have dissonance. Every church has dissonance. A, a healthy church is one that knows how to deal lovingly with dissonance between people. So. And t- change dissonance to conflict if you need to, yeah. right? Conflict yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, quarrels and arguments. Every church has it. This is what gonna, have you yeah. done with it? And you the know. stronger churches, the real healthy churches, are the ones who have worked through it. Just like the little little kids that never, ever, ever get sick, <laughs> they're really not that healthy because the first thing that's going to come along is going to knock them over. Yeah. But those who have worked through, now, I don't know the terminology here. My daughter-in-law would know that, and your wife would probably know it oh, as, I'm sure. as the mom, right? But you, you go through stuff, and your body fights stuff off, and you build up a tolerance, you build up a strength. Yeah. And you build up health. Yep. And you do that when you practice love in relationships. 
Johnny, there's a second way that we talk about practicing love. Practicing love through service, through service. And this is the tangible life-on-life stuff where you are saying, I am going to look to your needs and, and, and who you are and, and you know your position in life, and I'm going to consider that more important than my own comfort, my own position, my own place, whatever it is, and I'm going to serve you. And, and in return, that person serves you back. And I think, so relationships and service are kissing cousins, right? In a lot of ways. But really this idea of taking the relational piece and then putting your hands to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the three that we're talking about are actually just triplets. Ooh. Right. They all have the same. That's less crass than kissing cousins. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) They all have the same mom, right? Because, because service. Yeah. People can serve. Not out of love. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Absolutely. They can serve out of duty, out of obligation. Well, that's why we said having an adequate volunteer base doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy. It could be a lot of guilt being spread around by church leadership. Bingo. And hey, you better serve. You've got to do this if you want to stay, you know, good with the church. It's shocking, Johnny. It's shocking to me as I've kind of gotten to know a whole different group of people. Yeah. And as I talk to people, the the unhealthy churches that people have been a part of, mm. where where shame and fear and intimidation and manipulation. Let me tell you, Pastor, if, if you're a part of something like that, whether you're foisting it on your people and just happen to be listening to this podcast, or whether you see it going on in your church leadership, love is strong and courageous, yeah. and love confronts those types of things in a body of believers. Uh-huh. You know, love pushes back against that. Love declares truth to its neighbor when its neighbor is doing that kind of stuff. Our churches need to be safe places where people, people they don't feel comfortable. They feel safe, though. Yeah. You know, they, they don't feel like everything always goes their way in the church, but they know that they're heard, that they're respected, and that if there's something that's going on, it will be addressed, it will be dealt with, and it will be addressed and dealt with in love. Yeah, And absolutely. when you do that, you produce strength and you produce health. So we practice love in relationships, we practice love in service. And then we practice love in number three, in worship. Yes. We practice it in worship. There's a lot of rote religious rituals that Ooh, go on. Look at this you know, alliteration. You know, we, we go to church every Sunday. We yep. sit in the same spot every Sunday. Yep. We say the same things. We yep. pray the same prayers. And we don't know, you don't need love to do this stuff. You just need muscle memory, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And do the same thing. But, but w- loving worship. This is now between us and God. Yeah. So this is something, it doesn't really show that much on the outside, especially on a Sunday morning. Sure. Who's going to know what you're thinking, you know, when you're standing there singing or sitting there listening? Right. But God knows, right? I mean, God knows what we're thinking. And the challenge is to go and do the same thing every week, but doing it out of a pure heart and a genuine heart that you're actually there to worship God, not to do your job. I think when you call these things triplets, I think you're on to something, right? Because it, I, can't, I can't fathom a situation where somebody has loving relationships, loving service, and doesn't have loving worship. Like, I think they're tied together intrinsically. And when you start this cascading effect of actually loving people, getting down into the real life with them and still loving them and loving them no matter what, right? And serving people. And, and opening yourself to be served by people and opening yourself up to that type of stuff. That when you get to 
Sunday morning. And really, worship is not just Sunday morning. Worship is every day of the week, right? right? In right. our whole lives. But when you realize that's how God feels about you, how can you help but worship? And I think that's the wall that gets broken down, is when you are actually loving people in their mess, and they're loving you because you have to, it has to cut both ways, right? You have to let them love you. And when you are in that and they love you and you love them and you, and you have showed each other the messiness and it's still there, suddenly you can worship this God because God isn't holding something over you, as you said earlier, right? God is not just waiting to slap you or squish you or anything like that. You don't have to hide your messiness from God. You don't have to wash your clothes before you, you know, go to church, as it were. God loves you right where you are. And I think that just immediately creates an environment where loving worship can actually take place. I think in every church where you have unhealth, and uh, Rick Warren would use the word dis-ease, right, disease, in every church where you have that, love has fallen down somewhere. You know, people have fallen down in their capacity to love, or maybe, honestly, unfortunately, they've never understood love in the first place. They're just very religious people. I fear for the people, maybe even some are pastors, who are involved in the game of Christianity, and they don't even realize that they're just religious and they have no relationship with Jesus. Mm. And those are the people, and I think they can be identified, and you could self-identify, is if you don't love the people around you, and you don't really feel any necessarily any legit connection with God, yeah. maybe you're just religious, and there's not a relationship where you've looked to Jesus, seen him for who he is, what he's done, and said, yeah, you know, I, I believe this is making a difference and then understand the teachings of Jesus, and then and then put into practice what Jesus teaches us. I mean, I feel like I'm in first grade right now talking about this stuff. <laughs> but this is the difference between love and no love. You're right. And when we look at the Gospels, it's all over the place. Are we the Pharisees? Do we think we figured it out when really we've missed the boat, right? right. Do we think, are we whitewashed tombs? And that's that's the hard question to look at. The, the thing about whitewashed tombs is they look great. I mean, that's why Jesus said it, right? It looks awesome from the outside, but who cares? Who cares what a tomb looks like from the outside? Because inside right. is just a dead body. It's just bones. Yeah. So your church might have financial stability, an adequate volunteer base, relevant worship, all these different kinds of things. And, and you could be a white, your church could be a whitewashed tomb. But your church will not be a whitewashed tomb if you have loving service, loving relationships, and loving worship. That That is the call of the gospel. Like, I'm sorry, I'm preaching now. My hands are going crazy. But that's the call of the gospel. Love God, love others. That's the whole thing. And so how is that going to manifest? Is it going to always manifest as a righteous living and sound doctrine? Well, you know what? Those could be parts of it. Right? Yeah. Um, but that's yep. the job of the Holy Spirit to, to create those things, not oh, our now job. Now you're going to get into the Holy Spirit. Well, oh, come on. We're Trinitarians <laughs> here, man. But that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Righteous living is, is a wonderful thing, but it's not the be all end all. And it will come from loving relationships, loving service, and loving worship. It's an outcome, not in and of itself a practice. So that's very true, Johnny. And I tell you, it comes down to something so simple. Yeah. We try to make church so complex sometimes. Our people 
are people will try to make church complex. Oh, yeah. Because they think, because we as pastors, and you to a much lesser degree, in fact, you probably not at all, but we as pastors over the last 40 years, we've trained our people that busyness is next to godliness, mm. that you know, you've got to have programs and you've got to have stuff going on, and, and church is about a place you go to and things that you do. Yeah. And we have forgotten about love. Yeah. Because love is the heart of God. And like I said, and, and, and you confirmed that it's not love until you give it away. Yeah. And it's not faith. And like you said, it's not faith until you put it to work. Yeah. Because faith does and love does. Love gives and faith gives. So these are the marks of a healthy church, loving God and loving others. Yeah. And we've, we can do all, we can have all these other things. Yeah. But let's be honest, you can have all these other things without love. Exactly. And then that's, that's it, man. That's the point. And that's what we want, I think, the pastors who are listening to take away. I wonder, how, is your church a healthy church? Yeah. Right? Pastor, uh, Pastor Mary, uh, Pastor Matthew, is your church a healthy church? Or... Are you going through the motions? Are you are you a healthy pastor? Mm. Uh, do you love your people and do you appreciate your, you know your ministry and and do your people love each other or are they following your cue? Maybe you're just kind of maybe you've been going through the motions for a while and God does not want us to just go through the motions. No, no, not at all. He wants us to do a lot of things, I'm sure, but the first thing He wants us to do is love, and love validates all the other things we might do. So that's a that it's pretty simple. It's simple and it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. So how's that, right? For a conundrum. I think so. Yeah. So but a healthy church loves. A healthy pastor loves. Healthy people love. And uh, that will play itself out in relationship, service, and worship. And we could do a whole nother podcast about what the outcomes of those loving practices would be. And I would very much enjoy doing that. Another time, Jeff, because I think we've about reached the end here. We've reached the end of our rope, Johnny, but it's been great. It's been great recording here in the new Central Iowa studio. Oh, my. The Central Iowa studio. Yes. I like that. Yes. And, I like and that. And, hey, hey, these lights, I replaced. These are legit LED light bulbs. I think, they're like, I think they're like a half a watt each. <laughs> So I'd have to have them on for like 400 years before I'd pay a dollar. Plenty Something of light like in that. here, though. You're good. You're good. The, the electrical company hates you, but I love it. These are the daylight it. lights. Okay. You know, the, yeah, the electric company. I, can you imagine how much they must have fought against these manufacturers of LED lights? Because, <laughs> you know, or, uh, uh, corporations are saving, you know, millions of dollars sure they are. on they their lighting bills. Yeah. Anyway, sure. that's another story. A healthy small church has LED lights. <laughs> <laughs> it will lead you to financial stability. There so, you go. There you go. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and we can't wait to see you next week here on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. There's a lot of rote.
This is almost a new experience, uh, front to back. Yeah, it is. When was the last time we did the whole thing? It's been, it's been a while. All right, all right. I got a busy night, so no edits, no edit points. What? When? When's your sometimes, busy night? No, sometimes you would say that to oh, me. Really? I got a lot, a lot going on tonight. So don't make this heavy on the edits. Okay, so next week I started this week. You must be starting next week. Yep, two forty-seven. Okay. 